raised as a young man and uh, at that time I was um, just done with a high just joining high school and as I was joining high school uh, I met a guy called Dan Palmer so at that time I was a, a little boy helping around and uh, Dan Palmer came to my school and he gave a talk about permaculture and uh, he requested um, uh, a few people who want to really join in. And uh, I came out to be able to help him because they were designing a food security program at the orphanage where I was raised. And uh, during holidays, then I started going to help out on this project. And uh, that's when I, I met Rosemary Morrow and also some other Australian permaculture practitioners and uh, from that point, they started supporting me to be able to take on permaculture in a professional way, like undertaking the course. At the same time, I was uh, having much more detailed hands-on work because we were working together in the fields for a couple of years until I took my permaculture design course. But you can see before I took that, uh, my ambitions were totally different. I was uh, focusing on studying as a flight engineer and uh, I, I got grades that would take me to do that. Even uh, when I went to do my exam for flight engineer entry, I, I used my permaculture money because I used to go work in Kenya when I was a young boy. I go to Rwanda to design clients' farms and I could raise some money. So I used that money to go to take my exam. But still, when I took the exam, when I brought my admission, um, a sponsorship organization didn't uh, agree with me to go study from Kenya because it's uh, outside Uganda and it wasn't part of the program. So uh, I told them they gave me to do a university degree, but uh, and I don't need a degree because I feel it's not important. But uh, later I said, let me go and do something to supplement what I already know. That's when I realized that if I can go and do computer science in business and find a way to involve ICT in permaculture, which was also uh, focusing, I was really looking to focusing on how to market permaculture. But at the same time, challenges were that people are not really aware about permaculture in Uganda. So at this point, uh, at that time, when, when uh, I really took on my journey to the university, I started getting involved in Barclays Bank mentorship programs. Even uh, when I won that, I started working with my principal of my university, who really supported me, you know, becoming more confident and to, to start establishing, to believe in what I know, rather than looking for so much outside, uh, you know, outside, out from me. Then uh, from there, um, two colleagues of mine from the US uh, who knew me when I was a little boy, supported, uh, gave me the startup fund. When I wrote my, my permaculture social enterprise proposal, but at the, at the same time, during my university, I developed a concept which is a permaculture app related solution just to sell 
permaculture knowledge and also to sell uh, uh, to be able to engage clients in terms of them ordering um, ordering our our design consultant services at the same time um, being able to sell other organic products on the same application so when I pitched that to master foundation uh, I didn't succeed but uh, later on I changed the strategy on how I should penetrate the community and uh, you know, it, it was very challenging because I needed a lot of confidence to prove to people that this solution works. And remember, at uh, that age, when you are a young person, everybody would ask saying, this man seems very young, as what he's discussing. But um, the confidence came to a point of view that I had a lot of hands-on work. I worked with the Rosemary Farrow. I took the PDC from her and she mentored me for a couple of years up to now. And also Dan Palmer, they are my good, good colleagues. Now they went back to Australia. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, among all the people who took the PDC in that class of that year, I feel very, very instrumental in my region because um, at class, I'm the one practicing permaculture on a public scene. So it gives me a lot of confidence and I've done so much uh, that has proved to work and uh, that has given me much more confidence to stand out, to show people that this solution works. Yeah, that's how the journey began, began at a tender age. And uh, I continued to pursue university and I completed it, but uh, to really review and uh, recommit to permaculture, it came to a point when I started understanding the global aspect of employment, global aspect of climate change, uh, society and the problems, even not even understanding, but seeing, because I could see a lot of young people, even after university, they cannot afford jobs, they cannot get jobs. And uh, me, I already had a job at that time. I was already hired to do work, meaning I had something to offer at my tender age before even I finished university. And other people graduate and they had to look for a job. And sometimes we make a, a, a more money than normal employment. So time came and I started trying to think about my future, employment, survival, and all these kind of things. And that's when I realized I must make permaculture my job. You know, how am I going to make it my job? Am I going to exploit people? No. How am I going to do it? That's when I read the Social Permaculture Entrepreneur. And also, I take of working to grow permaculture in my country because, precisely, in Uganda, permaculture is still a vital to move into. And you can find few of Permaculture graduates are the most better what they have learned. And you find some old people who are practicing a little bit similar permaculture ideas, you know, using their small scale lands and all these things. But we will design permaculture ideas, they yield much more. Even, you know, there is precisely much more of indigenous knowledge, bringing the modern knowledge together 
learning how to do designs and uh, how to put, creatively put things around you that they can add value to you in different aspects. So it's not a common thing for everyone at all. And you can see that uh, even in the government, the public sector, like Minister of Agriculture, is continuing to pass <coughs> really support factors, machinery, which are very, very destructive soils. They are introducing a lot of chemicals after chemical to fight diseases, which is uh, precisely very sad that uh, old, some of the old people need knowledge. They need to seek wisdom. They need to seek wisdom in a sense that, in a sense that, um, in a sense that um, it is uh, very, very, very practical in terms of addressing ecological problems. And the Uganda stands at a point where it has, um, still has some of the natural ecological systems across, uh, across Africa and to Africa. We are seeing um, um, young people, young people really changing to be, there is uh, something happening in our country whereby young people even they just don't want to do agriculture. It's very strange. Farming seems to be the one of the bad things now, but uh, we try to make it cool. So when I looked into all those problems as a young person at that time, it gave me the think this is very important. If everybody is running out from it, even those who have been doctors, who have studied as doctors, after their courses as doctors, they are going to go back and start farming, planting trees, you know. They remember to plant trees when they are very old. And you find that their economic goals or financial set goals are not matching with the, you know, they will find that some people plant trees when they are 45 for commercial issues. And when they, uh, it becomes 50, 58, 70, he wants to cut the whole forest. So there is a lot of desperacy in our communities, a lot of desperacy for finance, for survival. There is a lot of desperacy in terms of um, in, in terms of uh, providing for families, and uh, this is as uh, these are all problems I've been assessing as I've been growing, and they are part of the accelerators, the motivations for me to to really choose permaculture my journey, to choose permaculture as a journey. So uh, I feel since I began the journey, I, I'm not regretting. I'm not regretting for what I began I feel very happy and uh, I earn much more money than even employed people. I don't hold a PhD, I don't hold a, a massive degree. I, on my highest qualification is, a, is, a, is a, a diploma in computer science and a permaculture design course, including an advanced uh, 
the permaculture diploma, which I am undertaking. But uh, precisely the best qualification I can say, I have creativeness, creativeness to understand nature, my best qualification. Because my passion lies in there, you know. And I've done, uh, I've contributed to different publications, which are very international. I've been on different platforms, sharing this knowledge to, to highly educated people uh, all over the world, in Poland and everywhere. I, I support highly landed people to learn permaculture, which puts me in a position that uh, there is a lot uh, I can offer uh, to other people. I feel happy. And if I'm to precisely have higher interest or interest in adding on career development, I would precisely want to study things I know already to really build, to add much more creativeness in producing them out of me or how to package them that would be also very interesting and how to transform much more knowledge in me into more practical, tangible materials, such as writing books or other material. So I would like to really um, say that uh, I don't regret myself as a person. I don't myself. That's beautiful. I love that. You know, something that I've heard uh, said uh, by other practitioners of permaculture in other countries in Africa is that there is, is a disconnect between the materials we have created in Australia or in America and applying those materials to Africa and the solutions to Africa and African culture, African, you know, uh, you know, forests. I mean, the, the diversity of climate in Africa is so vast, but then also, you know, um, it's just, there's so many different microclimates and considerations. There are, there's more wildlife um, yeah. and involvement and interaction with the wild on, in Africa than almost every other area. Um, yeah. So uh, as a whole, as a whole, I mean, there's of course Brazil and, 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 and Amazon and, and Colombia and all, and all that stuff, but, but it, it it's a little bit different. The, the larger animals are all still in Africa. The larger animals didn't persist after the Ice Age in South America and North America. So it's really unique. It's really unique. And actually, we all, the rest of the world, really need these big animals back. You know what I mean? And so there's, there's a lot to be learned about the, the really steep learning curve that Africans have had um, working with nature. I mean, people create a garden, they're like, I'm worried about deer in America. And it's like, yeah, we're worried about elephants here in some parts of Africa and India. And, you know, it's like they're creating like haha fences where it's literally a moat, a dry moat, you know, and then and they come to this edge and they, they can't get to your garden. And so, the, the, the levels, the scale, the uniqueness of response, I think from what the feedback that I've gotten is that there really is a demand for materials that are uniquely African, uniquely Ugandan, uniquely Kenyan, uniquely, uh, uniquely South African, 
Cote d'Ivoire, um, you name it, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah. and, 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 and so I'm really eager to hear feedback because so many people, you know, in America have this idea that they need to create things and, and give them to, to Africans. But the reality really is that we need to listen and learn in this lateral conversation with everyone from everywhere and especially from Africa. So, so what, what, what kind of things have you noticed where you're like, oh, wow, well, that won't work here. <laughs> or, well, with, here in my area of Africa, we're happy to do this. You know what I mean? Like, what have you come across? Yeah. So um, that's a very, very important, important concern. Very, very important concern. And uh, uh, as we can view Africa, when we start to look into the Africa's perspective of permaculture, you can see that um, uh, our level of uh, education, or in terms like materials which is produced in uh, in Europe, America, elsewhere, uh, most of these climates are template climates. Their microclimate is very, very different and you find uh, they have much more different soils. Um, and um, you find uh, also values and attachment to land is uh, also a different thing. Uh, where in your governments in Europe, America, you find that uh, they own land much more than the people, uh, which is the opposite in Africa, that uh, we as Africa, we are attached much more to our land and to all these animals, and uh, you find the people are named, their names are after the animals they live with. Some of these animals are traditional norms, so they are part of the cycle of their lives. And uh, even in my culture, I'm attached to particular animals, and uh, there are some cultures that don't eat particular animals, you know, and. Uh, you find them. So it is, it is a very, it's very challenging that um, um, at the time where you see, where you see Africa being transformed into what we call um, modernity, modernity which is attached to tourism. Capitalism coming with all different challenges. At the same time, as Africa, they are, when we go back in the context of development, Africa, we, 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 we came to be in a very big trouble when we, we were divided. Africa before, we never had countries like Uganda. We never had the countries, we never had the Angola, we, were, we never had all these things. We were a group of people organized in clans, organized on regions, organized in, in a clan setting. Each clan knew its kind of boundaries. You could see uh, each tribe knew we were organized in tribes. And Uganda as a country, we have over 52 tribes. I don't know how many tribes America has, but I precisely believe it's a, a diversity of people, uh, but the original Americans are no longer in America. Uh, we can see, uh, like, when we go into um, 
the big challenges that have come to Africa have been attached to what I can call colonialism or what we call transformation of Africa into what we call uh, capitalist countries, which have created uh, uh, malicious desires of, that are a threat to nature. How? How can I understand this in the sense of the countries which participated in the partition of Africa? What, I can, what caused the partition of Africa? Partition of Africa was caused due to desire for resources, raw materials. And what are the raw materials? Is nature. It's nature. So all the materials which were exploited from Africa to the rest of the world was raw materials produced from nature. Gold, trees, um, animals, ivory, um, plants, food, <coughs> all these things are, are within nature. And you can see that the first, uh, when uh, people knew, got to know, the Americans and the British people got to know that, ah, in Africa, the land is tillable, the land is fertile. They started bringing over machines and machines to Africa. But way before, Africa used to have their own food, their own abundance systems, without, without, without uh, tractors. They used to feed for seven years without tractors. What was that? How did they feed? That would be the question. They used to stay in harmony with animals. How did they do that? So what I can say is that um, our desires as people and uh, our maliciousness, our, how, how greed, there is a minimum of greed where we have created unsustainable consumption just to satisfy ourselves and forget the future and forget how can we, you know, how can we compromise for other elements in the environment? And today we come to realize that uh, different regions experience different problems. But sometimes the, the, the key problem, the key, the, the, the pin where the problem lies is one pin. So, when we go and ask, we can come to, when, we, when I, 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 I share with you that the Sahara Desert, when you do clear of the Sahara Desert, it was a green day, it was a green place. It was, most of the part of Sahara's were, were, were swamps. There were swamps. So the difference of 200 years now, we see the Sahara as a desert. And when you fly over the Sahara, you can see how is the Sahara growing. Fly through Ethiopia and you see how the land. So all these are invasions of different systems that, uh, that, uh, that have created uh, explosion of problems. Human practices creating explosion of problems that are going beyond control of a generation that we have to solve after generation to another generation. Uh, where we live in a society uh, uh, that uh, is uh, very 
local in in Uganda you, you can find the, the biggest population is still surviving on agriculture you know they survive on agriculture they, they survive on nature if the rain doesn't come <coughs> there is a very big problem four families will go hungry 10 out of five families will go hungry so uh, what does this mean we can see the coverage of of forest in uganda is reducing at the high rate than ever before the last 10 years we have lost forest than the last you know about 40 years so if you come to uganda when you get a chance i'll host you in uganda time and i show you we move to these curved zones which have been de deteriorating from time to time and you see what's really happening and also seasons are changing so when we talk, when discuss a uh, difference in microclimates we find that uh, all these problems are human practices and as culturally we are the population is put on the wall that they are they practice vis-a-vis -vis practices that are more exploitive the government is putting less emphasis on these small tangible solutions and they are the real solutions you know as bill Morrison mentioned <clears throat> that precisely you know the solutions are very simple as However big the problems are, the solutions are, are really, really simple. And you can see the government continuing to allow investment, heavy investment on forestry, heavy investment on, uh, on, different, uh, on different natural resources without even measures to replace these resources. There is a book that's called the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible that I think will help you market and open up this uh, this new chapter and in, um, in your work because I mean the, the, the reality is greed doesn't exist unless it's inside of a scarcity mindset and so those Europeans destroyed their environment and they saw scarcity all around them and so that's when they turned to greed and became these these thieves that went around the world and stole from from the richest place they could find and africa by all measurements is the richest continent on the earth it's the most abundant it's i mean you talk about the minerals you talk about you know the, the, the culture, you know, the cultural richness. I mean, it is the most rich continent on, on the planet. You go back, you know, Roman times, it's like, where, where did the Romans go to get fed? Well, they, they, they conquered Egypt. Well, you know, where, where, you know, all these, where did uh, the Greeks go? Where did Pythagoras go to understand science? Well, he went to Africa. And so it's, it, it, there's this long, long, rich history and rich reality to Africa. And I think that if we can connect that story to the hearts of the youth, to honor them and show them who they really are, 
and what Africa really is, then we can start a new story. And this is the whole thing with our, uh, the more beautiful uh, world that our hearts know is possible. It's about this concept of the new story versus the old story. And the old story, colonialism, capitalism, scarcity, zero-sum games, green revolution agriculture, taking, you know, those kinds of things, they can't, they can't serve us. And we all know it. Even the people doing it know it. Because they, they, they know it because they, they, they're doing it because they feel it so, that they're panicked because they're like, We're, it's running out, things are running out but the story is running out. That behavior is running out. And so now is the moment where we need to introduce these new stories. We need to inspire the youth to take on a new definition of who they are, what they can be, and what the world can be. So I'm, I'm so excited about this. Um, what, what, what are you currently working on um, in, the, in this region? Yeah, in, in, in that uh, kind of perspective, um, uh, in, uh, in Uganda, basically, because that's where we're based from to, mm -hmm. to really share with the rest of the world, we started um, to see that uh, before we go into the battle, we need to train the army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you can be the... Yes, I tried to be one man's army before, but when I was beginning, but um, when I saw there's the vision, uh, when I started looking to my vision, I started looking to uh, 40 years from now, I started looking to 20 years, I said there is need to build a team, there is need to build the permaculture warriors in East Africa, in Africa, who are going to to carry the swords and tell the world that, look, this is the problem, and here is the solution we can offer you. And uh, that's what I've been for the last three years, been really working hard to see that I build my capacity to be able to train running permaculture design courses, which I've been been able to do. Uh, at um, I did my first course, like my first course after 10 years, which I did this December, yeah, but uh, before I've been co-teaching on different courses, um, I've been doing professional trainings on projects, I've been uh, trying to support different projects, but all what I've been offering is permaculture substance, permaculture design in management, permaculture design in trying to show people that I come to your business and what I contribute is permaculture ecosystem design for you and how permaculture can work for you to build a big team, to build a nice team, to build a team that's more practical values of permaculture. So time has come to point that right now, I'm focused that Uganda has the best outstanding permaculture teacher who can <laughs> professionally demonstrate <laughs> about that. Sorry about that. So uh, I'm, I'm looking to abilities with Uganda and East Africa to the rest of Africa. We have permaculture teachers. If I'm not mistaken, 
I'm one of the youngest pharmacologists in my country and possibly in your country. So, and uh, uh, 10 years along the road, I've been experiencing uh, different uh, angles of things and trying to see things in the five, 50 young people seeing permaculture the way I see it, then you'll see something different, something very, very big in leadership, apart from leadership from local communities. So in the, to summarize the idea is that we as permaculture enterprise, we bear a vision to see that we build permaculture practitioners based here who can practically transform permaculture as a business to have economic impact. They can transform permaculture socially, their communities. They can apply permaculture in a very unique way. We have a big syndrome in Uganda, some countries in Africa, in Kenya, whereby uh, there is a lot of emergence fund. What we have, what we can see, uh, we, we would call it reliefs. The population has been damaged. People have been damaged where they have been receiving reliefs from different NGOs, international organizations. In Africa, we don't need anything for free at the moment. We don't need it. People need the knowledge. People need to have a sense of achievement of input in something. And people are forgetting everything, the right things they need to do, and go for workshops to wait for money, to wait for transport refund. So as a, as a social enterprise, we are trying to see, we build values of permaculture. We precisely want to see permaculture in schools because these are the biggest communities or institutions where every and they go the market jobs. Apart from that, we have uh, a lot of every parent who love her child to go in school. Every parent, how to do classwork, you know, get in classrooms where children understand the environment around. You know, so everybody, even today, I have a number of graduates I know that are on the street. You know, I'm not on, I have a lot of work, lots of work to do. And I have lots of people to help. And it's very important that me and you, we bear this vision. And when we talk like this, I feel motivated. I feel I have a lot of, you know, I feel, yeah, I, I feel, yes, I'm on the grid. The light is on. I'm not in the dark. I'm moving towards the light. Yeah. You see, we need what we call the permaculture warriors in the continent of Africa, whereby we embark on building ourselves using resources, using permaculture. And permaculture is it's science. It's actually beyond science. It's the best science everybody can ever learn. Because it, it makes you be your personal doctor. It makes you be we, the medicine is food. It's not anything else. It's food. Having the right food in place for your body, that's it. That's it. It's medicine. Mm -hmm. So 
I sincerely believe that uh, when we, as, as, as Americans, British, and everybody, as Bismarck designed their idea of partitioning Africa, it's the high time that they have to invest in Africa. It's not an, it's not an option for, for Britain, America, to invest in Africa. It's not an option. It's a must-do. It's a task to undertake. Because if, the, if America still doesn't have sustainability, and at this moment when we calculate the fumes and the gas they put into the air, it doubles Africa million big time. So if Africa, that means on the continent, the, the, the continent that has much more ecological systems absorbed, absorbs the burden of the continent, absorbs the burden of other planets. You know, the Amazon forest is absorbing all the gases spreading all over the world. So we need to appreciate and understand and be real to one another as, uh, as uh, people living in different regions, in different continents. We, I feel so nice when I'm running my courses and I get people from Wales, concerning about five people to come on the course, getting people from all different parts of the world, trying to see that they bring as much young people on the course to the position that today, as permaculture practitioners, our environmental practice is forcing us to the point that we are living in a capitalist communities. Capitalist communities where that when you are providing a service to someone, you have got to incur expenses. Mm. At some point, it was so hard to see that we can overcome expenses like food, make sure that we print on money, meaning we can't spend money on food, so at some point, you have money on accommodating someone because you don't have enough structures to do that. Other people need to take care of their needs. They have to pay tuition to a school, which a system that was introduced to take money or to exchange resources. And he's not going to pay that money by taking their food there. Then they, are given, they allow their children to go to school. We you have to pay them to bring them to do for you jobs, to be on your course, to support you doing the course, you have got to pay them. So we, as permaculture practitioners, we are dealing with the big problems, but precisely the, as uh, problems seem very complex because of the different systems that have been created, you know, where that uh, every kind of exchange in the society now needs what we call money. And how can we replace, how can we create things that can replace money? And the first thing are social values. Mm. Values where people understand the value of everything around them, such that they will not hunt it down for money. Mm. You see? People go cut down trees to burn charcoal for making fire, for making money. They go hunt elephants to take ivory to go make money. You know, money for what? For money food. to go and buy a beer. Money to go pay to school fees for their children. Yeah. Money to go afford clothing. Money to go 
uh, buy car, money to go pay bride price. You see? So our societies and the highly developed countries have created uh, the demand, what I can call un unnecessary demand. Demand, any demand that makes nature demeaned is a threat to human survival. You know? Demand where people need to cut down trees is a threat. And what do we need to do to create alternatives? Permaculture offers alternatives. So, and precisely, the solutions are very simple, but still the sole leaders who are in the government cannot understand these things. I'm feeling a uh, few day, few years back, I was 24. I woke up a few days asking myself my age. I, I, I realized now I'm 27. I'm mm. going to 20. So in the next five years, I'm going to be 30. Five, thirty-two, you know. Yeah, it goes fast. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm so worried that I have less time. My time is too little. I feel the time is not enough for me to do what I need to do. Mm. And how am I gonna do it? How am I gonna do it? I need to build as many permaculture practitioners before my energy, you know, goes low. You know, before my body becomes week before before my brain becomes a bit you know un, inefficient as we grow old we become children again you know we become children when i turn 95 today the government that i have a life expectancy i don't believe that i have a life expectancy or what i need to do is to take care of my body well and do the right thing for nature to take care of me. I don't think I need a life date of my experience that I have to be Uganda. We are said to have a life expectancy of 65 years of survival. I don't think I'm part of the 65 years. I'm part of something bigger than that because I, I boycott against so many products of, during my consumption, especially with the food. If, uh, if I start working with a group of people who can adopt these values, apart from adopting these values, they share the values. And each person I've taught on my courses, they live different. You find, when I meet them again, I met a few days back, I went to see my students. There are five uh, who were part of my course, and you could, they could show me what they are doing. They show me, look, I did this. I, my, now my children can do this. You know, there is something special permaculture offers. There is something special beyond what we know. It's connected to, to soul, people's understanding, people's brains, people's souls, compassion, passion. You know. So, in short, uh, we are focusing on building permaculture teachers for these five for these uh, five years. Our strategy is to build permaculture teachers, and 
at different levels because during the courses we have different people in the courses some of these people are people, some of these people are high and some of these people are youth but all of these people can influence the society at different levels and in a different way so we came up uh, and said uh, as a social enterprise we have been working closely with the government of uganda trying to see that we can establish a curriculum that is jointly embraced by the Minister of Education that can be taught in schools. And when I find out Matt Powers has something to offer on this matter, he has developed precisely good material that we can translate and try to customize to our system. Permaculture doesn't change. What changes are environments where we deal with it. And that's how we become dynamic to deal, to design problems, to design solutions that can fit. But the principles remain the same. The ethics remain the same. But the problems we deal with just change a bit. And what do we do? We just treat things, you know, we just change a bit. So that's why I can say, as you mentioned before, the material produced in other countries still remains very relevant to build on. A solution in Africa. However, it will need a more experienced person on the ground. So this vision of empowerment permaculture, this is really what I have arrived at in my own work too, is that we need to empower people with permaculture so that they use it. Because if we just give them the information and we don't empower them, they don't have the energy to go out and do it. You know, and so, so I, I totally think that this is the linchpin for Africa, but not just for Africa, but for the world, is this idea that we need to, and some people might not like the word warrior, they might like the word servant or steward or protector or defender, or whatever word they want to use, we all need to get up and be like warriors. It doesn't matter what word we use, we need to get together, we need to, Take the power and confidence that is waiting for us when we together with nature, when we do the right thing, and take that on as a mantle and walk into that role and start inviting people to join us. Because only through that kind of sea change, and, and, and when we do that, when it's empowering, it's joyful. So people see that, they see you radiate that joy. And, and I feel like that is the key, that is the key. And I also think that Africa teaching the world what permaculture can do in Africa, especially because you have all that biodiversity, all those intact ecologies, the results are going to be massive. The products, the, the processes are gonna be more complete I mean, we, we look at Australia and people are like, oh, wow, it's so weird. Why is eucalyptus both the pioneer species yep. and the peak of secession? Well, it's because when, when, uh, when people arrived, they destroyed the other layers of secession. And so the pyrophytic layer took over. And so it's like America's the same way. We're missing pieces of the ecology and so we don't know what actually can happen because we, we, we're not acquainted. But when we see what can happen in a vibrant, living, 
complete or near complete ecosystem as in Africa that we can see, and, and in South America too, we can still see in some places, we, we get a glimpse into a higher level education. We get a glimpse into the future and the next layer, level of learning for all of us, but Africans are starting there. They're already there. And so the learning curve is like this. And so for the rest of us, I feel like this is all gonna, the tables are gonna turn and, and Africa is going to be le leading in permaculture from, from in many, many ways, especially rewilding, especially working with wild animals, difficult soils, diverse like microclimates, volcanic area, you know, all, you name it, Africa's got it. Um, and and th then there's also the people resources. Africa has people. And what do the cities have that they don't know what to do with? A whole lot of people. And so, so there's so much to be learned, so much to be gained. And I, I feel like this is just part one of a series of conversations that we're going to be having over the years together as you develop, as you implement, and as, as you spread this, this educational movement in Uganda. You, you know, uh, Matt, sometimes uh, I, I want to draw for you a flashback. You, when you are talking, you have reminded me something. The time I started doing permaculture, uh, at the time when I started venturing to social enterprise and uh, getting on board to really get people, it is a time when I don't know who's my friend by career, you see, whereby you live in isolation. You are a warrior living in isolation. You can't win the war. Mm. So despite the fact that other warriors have different swords, I had to look for those warriors. There are people like you, you know, people who are willing to support uh, permaculture to be uh, uh, presented at different audiences. There is a very special team of German people who have been very committed to our work in, in the big where they feel permaculture representation in the policy. We can't just break them down tomorrow culture representation these systems part of the process are the same as you have mentioned uh, is having an explosion of population and the population is growing at a rate where you see there is a lot of challenges like governments not being able to to accumulate resources to support this population, the country continuing to be in a capitalist environment where they have to borrow money from the World Bank and borrow money from China, from Germany, from everywhere, and that's wrong. Why are we borrowing money from? No, apart from borrowing money, these countries who are borrowing us money, they actually their obligation to borrow us money, <coughs> borrow Africa money. They have 
to invest in Africa as they are investing in their societies, mm. not investing on conditions of loans, whereby we have to pay them back tons of oil. They took a majority of economic crisis. Countries and their governments are becoming selfish <coughs> to other society. So I don't believe in African countries getting loans from other governments. And precisely to make it brief, they are not designed as democratic countries. And I don't think America is democracy. It has democracy. It's not real. It's not a reality. How? Why is it not a reality? Because it gives <coughs> powers to people exploit other people <coughs> that are more. I can see in America when I read the news oh, that they voted the leader so and so and they gave him a vote of this kind and this kind. He won by this vote. Some of those votes are Africa. We, we are designed as a, a social society, society based on culture, values, society not based on, uh, based on clanship, leadership, family values, where you have a family as a head of the family, father, father the head, and all these kind of segments where you find uh, there, is a, there is a lot we can discuss to do with the difference in culture and uh, that uh, when uh, we see culture of democracy coming to Africa and creating a group of people to own power, you know, whereby they cannot even agree on distribution of resources fairly without corruption, you know, in, in the way before, when the king was taking care of the society, it was like he was taking care of his children. The king would not sleep when a society is hungry, they don't have food. He had to make sure they grow food. So the governments must adopt. We cannot say today we are going to reverse the history. We cannot reverse the history. We just need to deal with the history in a different way by seeing the future and seeing the problems and working towards a better solution. You know, the better solution is not black people revenging the white people. It's not black people fighting the white people again. The way forward is black and white, red or white, green must come together and work together towards a joint cause to embrace the vast of their culture and agree on what works where and what works where. It's like the bed must be in the bedroom and the table must be in the dining. That's the logic. So if we agree that permaculture uh, uh, is relevant, very important as a continent, as a permaculture network, a permaculture council must invest, must look into solutions to mobilize resources in this capitalist environment that we can invest in the young people. We can invest in permaculture. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards running a course in a rural community, in a rural community where I bought a farm. And I saw that these people, they are suffering. They don't even know how to harvest water. 
when the dry season comes, you will see a lot of people on the bus. You see a lot of young people on the bus. And all these people, when you ask them, what do you do? He says, I'm a farmer, but you should be farming now. He said, no, the season is off, so I'm off. No digging, no water, nothing. Meaning, what are the children gonna eat? He's the same guy having about five children. What are they gonna eat? Gonna buy posho, 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 posho. That's carbohydrates, already processed posho. They don't have food banks to store this food for the dry. So on this course, you can imagine, I want to teach those people permaculture and I want to take a big team to support me doing this job in the new place and I don't have resources to do that. You see that? I don't have, I'm not a rich guy around having investments that I can repatriate my investments to invest in my passion like this. You see, and that's how the networks become very fundamental where people who have enough resources or people who have and willing to share, they may not have enough. We have come to understand that money can never be enough for everybody. Mm -hmm. You see? So this is where I come working together as a society where we see that, ah, someone, there are people who spend just to buy to buy things for leisure, you know? Just to spend, it's not a need. That's much more in the West. You see, you have, you, in the West, people have too much than they're supposed to have. They should know that, that they have too much than what they're supposed to have. And where can they invest their money? How can they share their money or resources? Investing in knowledge, helping other people to perceive ideas that are positive to nature, that are positive to the future. When I plant 25 trees tomorrow, 100 trees tomorrow, I'm not planting, even though they cut those trees in 40 years, I'll not have planted for me alone. Mm. So my, 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 my pledge towards my work is to call as many people to support permaculture. Not only me, not only me. I have friends who, who have supported and Abraham Cooper, Liberia. I have a lady called Sheena. So uh, we have uh, Yoba from Ghana. We have, uh, uh, we have uh, coffee in the in in Ivory Coast. So we have mapped out and you can see these people are emerging and each of us if we build about 50 people today i'm running a parmesan program where we are supporting local farmers to like it's a, a permaculture farmer to farmer participatory program mm. where farmers have an opportunity to learn permaculture and also transfer the skill to other farmers so that's a very very important program but how many people do we need? We are teaching 20, 20 farmers who are going to recruit other four farmers to 100 each, uh, four, four, but the target is 400, 400 people benefit from this program. What of the young people? What of the young, where are the young people here? All people in our program, they are above 35. 
they are old people. So that's why, as we as we as people work with people, oh, uh, we need to outsource alternatives, <coughs> getting resources to support permaculture in schools, support permaculture in local communities. And this year, we we have scheduled seven permaculture design courses in Uganda. Seven permaculture design courses. And in addition to the seven, I'm invited to share my permaculture knowledge. I, permaculture is wisdom, it's not even knowledge. When you perceive the knowledge of permaculture, the next thing you perceive is wisdom. Perceive permaculture, then you perceive wisdom. Wisdom to understand yourself, wisdom to understand other people, wisdom to be resilient and understanding things in a different way. So I never worry when I don't have things sometimes, actually in most of the cases, because I know, I know precisely the solution is simple. I know how to do it. So uh, uh, this time we came to separate broadfield permaculture enterprises to focus on fostering or taking in permaculture professions to the field to practice professional permaculture. Designing firms, apart from designing firms, um, um, tapping into um, uh, institutions as uh, teachers, tapping into uh, work spa working spaces, offices as program supporting you know, staff, you know, whereby we look into resilience. How do we design resilience within projects, within the professional end? And we cannot do that when we just teach people, we don't have our own empires to show these people that, okay, here we exist. And you can come and see that this is working. That's how the, we give birth to a tropical permaculture, not of Uganda, sorry, of Africa, Tropical Permaculture Education Institute of Africa, bringing permaculture centers and practitioners to a point that they can work together. At the same time, we focus on fostering professional professionalism within permaculture. How do we present ourselves in an economic environment? How do we discuss economics with these elite people these elite people saying, ah, we are the bright men around understanding the statistics. This time, we are working, we are understanding one of the concerns that uh, different projects have addressed that permaculture doesn't have statistics. Permaculture does not have statistics. Actually, statistics, statistics of all the problems existing around the world that is developed by scientists, that belongs to permaculture because that's damaged or brought down to permaculture. So we cannot say permaculture doesn't have statistics. However, there is need for us to continue to justify uh, solution statistics. As far as problems, we have it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's why today I've been discussing with my colleagues uh, of the Parmesan program coordinators on how we can establish research within the element of the program that we can track 
activities and impact in a statistic arrangement. We would love one of the other things. We would love to have as many people to visit us. This time we have the farm. We have our own home. We don't want any permaculture practitioner traveling to Uganda to stay in a hotel. We print our own money. That's our food. We have our food. We give you a home to stay, accommodation for free. You know? Yeah. Permaculture practitioner, you write to us an email. You are coming to Uganda. I'll pick you from the airport. I'll take you home. I'll take you to the farm. You let me know what you want to see. I'll show you everything. You don't need to pay money for that. Sharing, sharing the environment in a peaceful way where you come to a country and you know you have a permaculture brother out there who has values and ethics of permaculture. Beautiful. You see? Yeah, so we would love as many people as you can send to us. We are very, very, very open. We have a big door for them, a big laugh, and I myself, I'll be down here. You know, I'm not anywhere else. Wherever I go, I have refused to stay in other countries and I've always come back here, you know? So I live by purpose and I live by this big conviction of mine to see that permaculture moves, moves to a different step and to a step where the government authorities can recognize permaculture. And we are looking forward to see that the government recognize permaculture as a package in schools teachers' colleges, and what do I create here? We need the permaculture warriors, we need the permaculture teachers who are going to support us. We have thousand schools in this country, thousand schools in Kenya. Where are those teachers gonna come from? Mm -hmm. So that's why we need an institution like the Tropical Permaculture Education Institute to demonstrate, to train, to be welcoming, to all permaculture, where the permaculture network has a space that if they are coming into Africa, they, have, they don't need to book in a conference hall. They have everything ready to one of the institutions here. Ah. So we need, yeah, so we cannot take over when we don't have, you know, we don't want to create a territory to dominate. We want to create a territory that we can share. You know? Yeah. So uh, I will send you much more of this. We have, uh, we are almost completing the documents of the Permaculture Tropical Education Institute, which we believe is going to be a higher institution in the sector of the, working in correspondence with the government, that whatever qualification we give, it is recognized by the government, apart from being recognized by the IPC and the other standard permaculture bodies, it's recognized by government that this is something someone can bid for for a job apart from for a job he can offer professional consultancy to his capacity to other you know institutions and permaculture addresses all professions it's a big surprise to everybody permaculture can address doctors it can address leaders it can address it is dimensional it's multifunctional approach. It's a multi-purpose approach. It's dynamically rich to everybody. 
And today, when I stand here sharing with you, I love it because you, when you send me all the material and I started reading, when I just read on the heading and trying to go through, I feel I want to read everything right there. But the smart way to absorb everything, I've got to design out a work plan on how I'm going to read everything, which is good. Which is good. So uh, um, I'm very privileged to have this time with you, Matt. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, uh, working with you on Africa concepts and producing Africa material is precisely very, very important. Very important. As I've mentioned, very extremely important because knowledge, knowledge and wisdom to understand what's around us is very powerful. When you don't understand it, you can't harvest it well. You can't make a fortune out of it. But this was so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us. There's, I'm, I'm going to edit it. I'm going to fix the parts where there's gaps in the, in the, uh, in the feed and everything. But there is so much richness here for people to dig into and really begin to understand um, the needs of Africa and the, the, the amazing story, the amazing insights and empowerment that Africa has to offer the rest of the world as well. So thank yeah. you so much for educating us, connecting with us, and being the force for change in Uganda so that we can you know, bring that empowerment to all those kids, all those families, and all those farmers. Yeah, you know, Matt, uh, I want to thank you so much. And uh, I'm incredibly going to work towards uh, working with you, get my advanced knowledge uh, with you on one of your programs, as you really offered me to have, to have this opportunity. And uh, I really appreciate that, that I'm going to be a piece. I'm going to take a, a cake, a piece of the, that slice, you know, from you. And uh, I would like also to thank people who really attend your courses. And um, uh, precisely, like, I, I would like to really appreciate that uh, people like you exist because when you are here talking to me, we share, I get hope. I get hope. When my sword breaks, I have where to get another sword to fix my broken sword. I have where to bore my knowledge or to share solutions. So I'm going to work so hard to see that we foster more tangible solutions together, especially materials, we translate them to the local language, simplify material to graphic diagrams. People can do also, these are very important tools that we need to put in place for learning system. And also getting the government involved is making it accountable. Whether they respond positively or not, it's making them accountable. However, we are very positive about to the engagement with the ministry because they are welcoming and they are trying to give attention to this. And uh, if we work towards having these materials, it would be a very big, big opportunity for so many young people to know this. And one most thing I want to do 
is to make sure I have the permaculture center standing, you know, that the Tropical Permaculture Education Institute. And we, I'm very happy that this is graduating through our education programs, but at the, at a particular level, we want to transform into a high institution, like a university, meaning we need to have a framework of advanced courses, diplomas, and all these courses. And also, we support other people to start different companies, enterprises that employs these kind of people. However, also we can involve the same institutions. We don't even need to build big companies. We have to go to these people who are causing trouble all the time, drilling all the time. And no outside expert will be able to give you the expertise for those graduate or those college level. Yeah. All those people would be bioregionally um, yeah. adept. And, and like, that's the thing is it's, when we get to that higher level of permaculture, it's all local. It's all microclimate specific. Yeah. It's all, so it's, and it has to happen everywhere. It has to decentralize. We can't have just isolated, you know, teachers who are teaching the world, you know, we need every bioregion to start rising up. So this is the beginning. Yeah. And I am so excited yeah. to be a part of it, to contribute, to help, and also to showcase it so that other people, uh, other other supporters and, and other people that want to collaborate and get involved can. So I'm just yeah. honored to be part of this. And uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, um, the next after our meeting, I'll be sharing uh, the documents and the work plan and see how we can move forward. Uh, uh, one of the important things I wanted to inform you about um, that I'll send you is uh, the rural permaculture design course we want to carry out with our farmers. It's in March, around the uh, 14th to it's around March 14th to 28th, something of that kind. And uh, we, we, we have been looking uh, up to set up uh, a, a scholarship fund that is going to run out through the year to be supporting people in different courses. So, so something of that kind. So maybe a year we set a target we can get this fund even to fund people not only on our courses, but on other courses, especially people who are merging teachers. Mm -hmm. So this is one thing that really wanted to, we can discuss that after here in an email, like I will send you a concept. Um, it could be something very, very powerful, whereby we know that uh, young permaculture practitioners have a hand somewhere that someone can push them further, you know? I love that. That would be very important. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. I'm gonna go rest. Yeah. <laughs> you should, you should, you should please. I, I see you coughing, uh, that worries me a lot. I'll get better. I just gotta take it oh. slow. All right, all right. Have a wonderful thank day. You, Matt. You're so welcome. All right, Matt. Okay, thank you. Bye, my friend. Bye.